you're listening to No Names All Game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Wednesday, September 7th as we record this, so it's about a week after the first game. It's a long holiday weekend. Life gets busy. Who cares? Penn State starts the season out with a nerve-wracking 35-31 win over Purdue, and your Nittany Lions are officially one and oh, we remain unranked for the time being, but move up two spots in the receiving votes category to essentially place them at 27th. My name is Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host Pat Calicchio. We got a lot to talk about this game, starting out one and no. It was nerve-wracking, like I said. Pat, how are you feeling after that game? Uh, I mean, listen, there was a lot of frustration while watching it. I think I texted you late in the fourth quarter just going, I, this just doesn't feel like a win for Penn State. Um, but then I was wrong. So now yeah. I'm very happy. And that's all that matters. And at the, at yeah. the end of the day, this was a, a solid Purdue team. You know, like, do I think Purdue's going to light the world on fire? No. Do I think they're even going to be as good as they were last year? No. But they're not a joke. Yeah, we talked about in our preview that Purdue is always the, you know, the, they call them the spoiler makers for a reason, right? They always, they always beat one or two good teams a year. Uh, and we didn't want to be that team this year. So to come out with a win at night in West Lafayette feels good. But there was some frustration. There was a, there was a lot of concerning things that came out of this game. You know, it's week one. You're shaking off the rust. You're learn, you know, learning a new system on defense with a new defensive coordinator. You got a lot of young new talent on offense. Um, there's there's a lot to be understandable about for why certain things went wrong. But at the other sense, you know, you want to be a top twenty five team. You want to be a team. Co- competing for a big 10 championship there are some things you expect to be better so uh like i said we have a lot to talk about we'll go into a couple different topics here um but if you have not listened to the show before each week on our recap episodes we're going to give out a couple of awards so first we give out the lion which is our mvp and then we each have a couple of other awards uh that we come up with that we feel should go to guys that deserve it um for for really anything that happened in the game so let's start uh, with our awards, and then we'll get into topics after. Pat, who is your lion for this week? My line for this week is Mitchell Tinsley, man. Uh, a lot of hype coming in as, as a receiver, and then and it would, expectations were sort of tempered when James Franklin kind of said he needs to get up to speed physically. I think everyone penciled him as the two receiver on this team. There was kind of like a, yeah, he could be a nice addition. Let's see if he can live up to like, you know, if he can be as good as Parker Washington. I mean, he was everything we could have hoped he was in this game. Uh, I don't believe he had any drops. He led the team in receptions. He put up, you know, he put up 85 good chunks and he got yards after the catch. It was he, the game looks so different without Mitchell Tinsley. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, seven catches, 84 yards, one touchdown. Uh, I believe he had the first touchdown of the day to, to the, of the day to get the momentum going. Uh, had that huge yards after the catch on the game-winning drive. Uh, I completely agree with you. In a game where Parker Washington was kind of quiet, uh, you know, we expect him to be the number one this year. Only two catches for 30 yards. Uh, Mitchell stepped up and, and really put the team on his back from the receiving core. So I definitely, definitely agree with that statement. Uh, my lion... Uh, for this week. Pretty obvious, but it goes to Joey Porter Jr. Uh, The guy played lights out defense Uh, in a game where we gave up 356 yards through the air. uh, He was a consistent force to be reckoned with. Uh, Six pass breakups. He's the Bednarik National Defensive Player of the Week, getting those shout outs. Uh, And he really came through, especially in the fourth quarter when we needed him, when we needed to make those shutdown stops, he was there. Uh, He had three pass breakups in the fourth quarter, I believe 
really great coverage to shut things down. And, and on the game, he had two potential interceptions. Uh, those will land going forward. One in the first quarter that went right off his hands and ended up being a catch. That'll be an interception in the future. And then there was one late in the fourth quarter that he probably could have probably could have come down with. Um, those are going to land, and he just showed why he is being touted as a potential first-round pick. So shout out to Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, I mean, Joey Porter played great. You know, there were some moments in there in that game that you didn't love, and he did let up some yards in the first half. But, like, overall, a really tremendous effort and showing from Joey Porter Jr. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so how many other awards you got today for us, Pat? You I got, got a couple. Two. All right, I have two also, so let's start with yours. What's your first award that you'd like to give out? I'm going with the Coasters Award. The Coasters Award? The Coasters Award. Okay, tell us what this one's all about. Do you have any guesses who the Coasters Award could be, Chris? Coasters. I, I, don't, know if I, I don't know if I understand the reference yet, so, okay. so give, it, give it to us. You might not understand it right off, but the Coasters, the famous song, Yakety Yak. And Yakety Yak is what Brent Strange gave us on his touchdown. Okay. We lacked all season last year for tight end room. You know, it was consistency and yards after the catch. And Brenton Strange came through in a huge way in this game. He didn't light it up with catch numbers, but he got catches when they were important. He was the thing we haven't had at tight end. The guy who made the big play in the big moment, the dependable target. He only had two catches, but went 77 yards and a touchdown. And he broke tackles and made it into the end zone. Loved it. You, you, you kind of thought he wasn't going to make it into the end zone at the end of that run, but yeah. he did. And it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was good. And I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm think I think that was right before halftime too. So that kind of yes. changes, changes the game from, you know, a seven point swing that happens or not happens because of his extra effort. So after that, yeah. turnover, Yeah. Yeah. Yakety yak. Oh yeah. After the, uh, the Zach Wheatley force fumble. Mm-hmm. Mm, all right. Shout out Brenton strange. Yeah. He, uh, he looked like the real deal. Um, you know, we, we got on his case a lot last year for, for drops, for timely drops, uh, didn't have that, uh, so much this game. And from what we're hearing, Theo Johnson, uh, is still, still not practicing as of today. So it looks like he'll be out another week or two, at least. Um, I tweeted, imagine Brenton just kind of puts it all together. And is that guy at tight end? Like, yeah, we're still going to see Tyler Warren. Yeah. We're still going to see Theo Johnson, but, um, Brenton strange has all the potential in the world to be a, an X factor in this offense. So shout out Brenton strange. Uh, my first award is the Forgotten Hero Award. Ooh, Forgotten Hero. All right, let's see. Who was a hero in this game that could be forgotten? My guess is defensive side of the ball. Not quite, not quite. We're going offense. Okay, um, well, offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Keandre Lambert-Smith? Nope, this one is going to Devin Ford. Okay. Uh, Devin Ford. Early in the game, converts on a huge fourth down. It's a small play. It's a little play action fake. Clifford dumps it out to him in the flat, and he turns up. I think he gets like 10 or 12 yards on it. Nothing crazy. Um, But that is a huge play that leads to a touchdown and gives us momentum. In a four-point win, that play is so much bigger than we will ever remember it for. We're not going to look back on this season and remember that play. I want to give Devin Ford a shout out right now. Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to get a ton of opportunities in this crowded backfield with Kevon Lee, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen. So shout out to him for making the most of one of his few opportunities in a really pivotal moment. Shout out Devin Ford. Yeah, that was huge. Um, yeah, I, I'm hoping he gets some run as the return man for sure. 
And yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Devin Ford in a situational role like that. That was that a the, like the third possession of the game, the first. Yeah, quarter? it was. It was early. It was early. We were <laughs> we we're you know on the twenty five yard line or something, going for it on fourth down. That's that's a change of the momentum kind of thing. If we miss that play, who knows what happens? So to to convert that fourth down, event immediately turn it into a touchdown. I think was much bigger than we'll ever remember it for. So forgotten hero, Devin Ford. Yeah, and at that point, the offense just kind of felt like it had been stagnant. Mm-hmm. So not only was it a fourth down conversion and like not converting there feels so bad, but to, to finally get the offense moving is so, is so huge. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Agreed. All right. What's your next award bet? Next award is the Pauly Gatto award. Pauly Gatto. You're going deep on the references because I'm I not am. getting these. I hope our listeners get them. I'm not getting this one. Tell us who it is. The right. Gatto character from the Godfather, Chris. Okay. Famously killed, and Clemenza delivers the line, leave the gun, take the cannolis. Okay. However, a, a couple scenes later, Clemenza delivers my favorite line in the movie when Sonny asks him about Pauly after he's making the sauce in the kitchen with Michael. Mm-hmm. He just very casually goes, oh, Pauly, won't see him no more. And that okay. is what the ref said about Abdul Carter at the beginning of this game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, you won't see him no more. Yeah. <laughs> The refs okay. just took a look at Abdul Carter going for that for that loose ball that should have just been whistled, and said, "Oh, Abdul Carter won't see him no more." Yeah, yeah, that was a shame, man. Because uh, it was a terrible I guess call. By rule, not, not only was he going for the ball, and so it shouldn't have been called, but they clearly realized it was not a fumble. And had he just had the ref just whistled it dead, Abdul Carter never dives for the ball and hits that guy. Correct, correct. It's his first game. He's a true freshman. He's a little over eager. You see the head-to-head contact. There's going to be some sort of call, which sucks, but that should not have been targeted. Even um, Era, the rule guy, was like, "Yeah, this shouldn't be called." Oh wow, I didn't hear that he's part. Going for a loose ball. Interesting. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know that part of the rule, but um, yeah, that was tough because you know we'll probably talk about it a little bit later. But fuck it, let's talk about it now. Linebacker play not stellar in this game. No, it was not great, and I think you know losing your kind of second rotational guy at the beginning was not good. And Curtis Jacobs wasn't bad, but he, what, you know, like you said, wasn't stellar, probably over pursued and took some bad angles on a couple of play plays when, you know, I guess it's pretty understandable. His first in-game action playing at the will linebacker. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think Sutherland played better than I expected, which was nice to see. Um, you know, he yeah. wasn't lights out, but it was nice to see. Um, he, he was didn't... a plus for that linebacker group. I yeah, I didn't think we got a ton out of the middle linebacker group. Um, no. So it, it would have been nice to see uh, Abdul Carter in there for a bit longer and, and maybe see what he could do. But we'll get him back next game. Um, was that the second half? Is he going to miss the first half of Ohio? No, I mean, that happened in like the first couple of possessions. Okay, I think okay. so we're good. Quarter. Okay, so we'll get him back for Ohio. And, and I will say the one thing that Franklin did show us is that he is going to rotate some guys and get some depth in there. Uh, he said in, in his press conference this week, that he is ready to build depth uh, because that's something that we did not have uh, a ton of last year. So you're going to see a lot of these young guys get reps and get rotation, which is really great to see. So I think we'll see more about Duel uh, come this this yeah. week. Against he, Ohio. he even said that they were expecting to get Abdul a decent amount of playing time in that game. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's just a shitty call that that goes the wrong way for us, unfortunately, but shout out Abdul Carter. We like you. We can't wait to see more of you. All right, my second award is the won't have to worry about that 
award. Won't have to worry about that. All right, this certainly has nothing to do with quarterback play. Correct. Um, <laughs> nor running back play. Correct. Um, my, my guess is it – oh, Barney Amore. This goes to Barney Amore. Oh, uh, your boy's good. Punter. Great guess. Great guess. Barney Amore. Listen, we go from Blake Gillikin to Jordan Stout, two really, really good punters, and we're not sure what to expect coming into this season. Barney Amore is a walk-on that just gets awarded a scholarship by Eli Manning at practice like two weeks ago, uh, and we don't know what to make of it. This guy comes in, eight punts, averaging 47 yards with a long of 52. He had three inside the 20, which is really three inside the 10. I rewatched the game today. He was pinned them deep inside the 10. Uh, he had one that landed on the two, and the coverage team kind of bobbled in the end zone, so his stats probably could have looked even better. Um, but it's nice to know that we won't have to worry about punting because this kid looks like he's the real deal. Yeah, he was dynamite and definitely something I was worried about. Doesn't carry, you know, the the gigantic leg of a Jordan Stout, but I mean, more than makes up for it with his ability to pin you in deep. Yeah, and in a game that you win by four points, field position is is paramount. I mean, you're going back and forth. There were what seven lead changes in this game, I think, uh, to constantly be able to pin them back in in bigger games. That's gonna that's gonna show up more than we expected to. Punting was notable in this game. Yeah, yeah. So shout out Barney Amore. I like you, man. All right. Um, like I said, we're a week late on this podcast. There's, you know, we're not going to beat things to death. Uh, I think our biggest conversation is about the quarterbacks just because of, you know, some tweets that I made. Uh, for the record, Twitter is Chris Hankins' voice uh, from No Names All Came. They do not reflect the views of Pat Colicchio. <laughs> um, do you want to start there or do you want to touch on some other things and, and end with quarterback? How are you feeling, Pat? Um, I feel like we should end with quarterback. All right. So what else from this game uh, stands out? Let's talk about the running backs. Um, so Kevon Lee comes out as the starter, but there is a very healthy rotation between Kevon Lee, Nick Singleton, and Katron Allen. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you make of this running back committee after one game? Yeah. So, I mean, I certainly also am prone to some emotional tweeting. And I think tweeted after the third run of the game that Kevon Lee should not be the starting running back, <laughs> <laughs> um, which was probably a bit premature considering you look at our running backs, they average 3.1, 3.9, and 3.3 yards per carry. So not a lot of separation. Um, I think you did see like the potential for a little more burst with Singleton and Katron Allen, but you know, also Kevon Lee had the longest run of the game with 12 yards. Um, you know, I, I, I just still think there's probably more potential there for the young guys. There's more that other teams have to get a game plan around. I don't know if they're going to get there this season. I cannot guarantee that. I think they might, but I think you also saw some freshman mistakes in that game, you know, sometimes run into the wrong place and, you know, not, not hitting the hole that you're supposed to. That, that's things that probably Kevon Lee isn't going to do as frequently as those two. Um, again, I, I still think I throw my hat in that I'd like to see one of the freshmen starting by the end of the year. But you can't take Kevon Lee out of this rotation, especially after he catches the game-winning touchdown there. And I think we're going to see kind of the same thing at the beginning of the Ohio game as you saw at this game where – we're, we're going to spend a few possessions trying to decide who the hot hand of the game is. Cause that was certainly the game plan 
for the first three possessions was just, Hey, let's see who can run the ball the best. It's not about yeah. getting first downs and scoring. Yeah. And not even who could run the ball best, but they were just like trying to establish the run no matter what yeah. um, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, which pass. I hate. And yeah, agreed. There's no creativity. Uh, we have some Twitter questions. Uh, Mike Yersich burner, AKA PSU football fuss says, when is Yersich going to get questioned over running into stacked fronts and press man coverage? Our O-line is a strength and consistently putting them in a numbers disadvantage. Um, yeah, man, it was tough. Like, like you said, Kevon Lee had the longest run of the day at 12 yards, but other than that, could not get anything going. Yes, he caught the game winner. I love Kevon Lee. My tweet before the season was like, he should be RB1 until mid-season when the young kids like prove that they have to start. I think we're seeing that in like two weeks, honestly. Um, both of their first carries, uh, Singleton and Allen, both of them shot out of a cannon for nine yards on their first touch as a collegiate running back. Those like, were also their longest carries of the game, though. Correct. Correct. And I understand that. Like you said, you know, <laughs> three, three points something to carry for, for each of them is not great. But like for me, that just shows like, all right, the potential's there and they can they can do it. Um, I think I think you're gonna see a lot more of the two of them over Kevon Lee as time goes on, which fair, not fair, I don't know, but I, I just think they're gonna force the hand uh as they as they get a little bit more comfortable as they understand how to read the defenses as they understand how to hit the holes i think you're going to see them both break in some big runs yeah and you know i i don't really know what else you want mike yersich to do in terms of how we call running plays hey, he there's not a lot he hasn't tried as far as calling running plays you know and i, I think we got another twitter question about this is like when is he going to get creative with the running play calling right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think there is like this misconception that he's just doing the same thing over and over again. And it's not working like, and that there's all these trick running plays out there to try. Like there, there's only a few basic concepts that you can run in the run game. You've got like your inside zone, your outside zone, power counter. Uh, I, I believe ISO includes having a fullback. So we're not going to run that. Listen, He's he runs all four of those things. Those are like you have the four major running schemes that you're going to see in college football. He tries all of them, but like you know, holes have to get there. Running backs have to hit those holes. Running backs have to break the first tackle. I don't care how good your your offensive line is, unless unless they're so overmatching the defensive line that it's embarrassing, which Penn State is not going to do on the big 10 level, you have to break the first tackle or you're not going to be a successful running back. Your running game is going to go nowhere. You're going to average three yards of carry. If every time you get the ball, you get a little bit past the line, get touched and fall forward. Yeah. I think all of that's fair. I think the, the frustration comes from that. Most of the carries look like the same package of Clifford and shotgun with the running back to the left or right of him. And it's a simple handoff up the middle. Most of that is what it looks like. Now, should that play be designed to go outside? Are they supposed to go outside? Who knows? Um, but we don't see a ton of under center running off tackle. We don't see the sweeps. We don't see the tosses. That's just not our offense. Like, that's not who we are. Um, do you want to like, see? Th those are, in most teams in college football, sweeps and tosses are trick plays. Like high school uh, Purdue, Purdue scored against us on it. I, I get scored that. In I the get red that. zone, tossed them like, out to the running back, boom. In, they averaged easy. like two yards of carry also. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying I understand I understand where the question comes from because, you know, 
we had 98 yards combined amongst these three guys against a, a Purdue team that we should have been able to run all over. And that's really, really concerning in my opinion. So I think hopefully you're going to see a little bit more creativity. You're going to see a little bit more of get them the ball in space, whether that's check downs and screens, we'll see some of that. Um, I, I, I think this is also game one. You're trying to figure out who your guy is you're bound to run into some growing pain. So I'm not, I'm not completely overreacting. I really liked what I saw from the two young kids, despite what the ending numbers look like. I think they're both going to be really good. Yeah. There was potential there, but I'm also, I'm worried about this running game. I'm worried that it's going to be the same thing as the past two years and that it's going to put all the pressure on Sean Clifford. Yeah. I think Ohio is going to really show us that, right? This is, this is a team that we are significantly more talented against and should be able to run all over. Let's see what happens in, in week two. Um, we talked a little bit about it. The O-line, what'd you think? Um, after after week one, we, you know, I think you said in our preview that you had a little bit of hope for them. Uh, what's your takeaway from O-line after week one? Um, I thought they were okay. They weren't bad. Uh, the pass protection was fine. I think they let up one sack, right? Um, yeah. They weren't opening massive holes for the running backs to run through. And of course we all wish they would, but I don't think that was anyone's really anyone's expectation going into the season that we were going to be blowing holes open for running backs to run through. I think you look outside of Caden Wallace, who obviously had a tough game and ends up getting taken out in the third quarter was pretty good. And that's really all you, if, if pretty good is what we get out of this offensive line, that's a massive step forward from the past two years. Yeah, I, I was a little uh, underwhelmed, I guess. Um, I, I told myself I was going to have no hopes for this O-line going into the season, and, and I still really don't. Um, but, you know, under 100 yards rushing, again, you can't put that all on the O-line. Like you said, you know, these, uh, these, these running backs do need to make something uh, of their own, um, but, but under 100 yards is really not great. And I thought they were just really inconsistent in, in pass protection. Um, there was only the one sack, but... Cliff was running a good bit. Aller in six plays ran twice, I think. Um, so just kind of inconsistent. So, you know, it's, it's one of those that you, you want to see dominating teams that you're more talented against. And, and we didn't really do that. I, I thought there were a couple of times that the quarterback left the pocket prematurely. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, what else on the offense? Uh, we kind of talked about the receiving already. Tinsley looked good. Keandre Lambert Smith looked pretty good. Strange looked good. Well, he um, looked I wanted more Parker. Early. I, overall, I'm just saying, yeah, end end of the game. We'll talk. We'll talk about drops when we talk about quarterback play. Um, yeah, Keandre, I more I th- Parker I had a tough start, card. but came on great late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very true. Uh, he finishes uh, his stat line. Uh, Keandre Lamb Smith four for 58 and the one long touchdown. Um, really love to see that. After uh, he had two drops, I believe, early on. So. Um, and one really big one. Really big, yes. Um, you know, let's get to the traps because I, I rewatched the game today and I wrote them down. Uh, I, I counted five, uh, maybe four, but five total. So early in the game, number one, there's a slant to Keandre Lambeau Smith and he drops it. Maybe a good defensive play, though. He might have got his hand in there. Might yeah, be a that was contested. I'm okay with that. Uh, number two, Parker Washington on a swing, just through his hands. Absolutely inexcusable. And uh, so much room to run in front of him. So much room to run. Just you can't do that. Number three, Keandre Lambert Smith is on a crossing route to the right sideline, hits him directly in the hands and just perfect pass. 
perfect pass, perfect inexcusable. Pass. All, all the pass, like, I, we'll, we'll get to the next pass that looked like that. But yeah. everyone is like creaming over Aller's pass to Warren that got dropped. Yep. The pass was just as best and through to Andrew Smith was just as good. It was good, but I think the difference is that that uh, Warren was was tightly in between two defenders and it was perfectly placed. Yeah. Where Keandre Lambert Smith was a bit more open. For sure, that is true. Um, so the next one is is Warren from Aller, inexcusable, hits you right in the hands. Uh, and then the last one is Keandre Lambert-Smith again. He's on the right side. Uh, it was a bit of a low throw, but he probably should have caught it. Um, and and that's, that's a lot of drops for one game. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to be in the defense of Sean Clifford later in this episode, but I, I think we're all aware that he's not the number one quarterback in the nation. Like his you, – you look at his stat line, his, the worst part of his stat line is always going to be his completion percentage. That's the case. You cannot be dropping five passes a game. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for Cliff, he ends at 20 of 37, which is a 54%. Uh, if you add all four potential drops, that brings him up to a 65. I think the two obvious ones uh, brings him to 59. So you, you add these drops in, he's somewhere Good. between 60, 65%, which is not terrible. That's You're okay with that. I mean, that you'd be if I told you that Sean Clifford finished this year, with a pass with a completion percentage between 60 and 65, I think we'd all be fairly thrilled. I'd, I'd be pretty happy. I, <laughs> I always, I always want more, but I'd be pretty happy with that. Um, all right. I think that's pretty much it for the offense. Let's move to the defense before we get into, uh, into the quarterback, uh, court case that we're about to get into here. Um, defense, man, I don't know what to make of it. I really don't know. This is first game of the Manny Diaz era. Um, we had no real pressure until the fourth quarter. Uh, we did not get a sack until the fourth quarter. Uh, two of those sacks were with creative blitzes from Sutherland and Johnny Dixon. Um, we, we just didn't really see a lot of pressure from the D line. Uh, the secondary, it felt like there was constant soft coverage allowing these underneath and these mid throws that it was like death by a thousand paper cuts, just seven yards, eight yards, 12 yards, seven yards, four yards, 15 yards, constantly. Everything was open despite a lot of press coverage. I don't know how that happens to be honest. Um, but, but it seemed like it was a lot of bend don't break, but we broke like we, we, we let up 31 points. Um, well, I guess well, take, take out 24, the pick six, 24 points. Um, but it, it felt like everything was open underneath, uh, and there was no pressure. And that's my biggest concern after this game. What you, what was your takeaway from the defense? Yeah. I mean, I felt similarly about the defense that I did about the offensive line, but better. I thought it was okay. It was pretty good. Um, you know, I actually, while watching the game, I felt like they ran the ball better than they actually did. Like that frustrated yeah. me, but then you look back at the stats and it wasn't that great. Uh, First half, certainly content to, yeah, just let those four to seven yard completions happen, which was the same thing that happened under Brent Pry, by the way. Yeah. Is that we would go, yeah, you can complete those passes because when you get down inside the 20, you're not going to be able to do it anymore. And you're going to have to settle for field goals. Um, Yeah, the, the pressure wasn't there, but that was also in part to the way Purdue was playing. So I, I saw that Aiden O'Connell was averaging just under 2.3 seconds before he was throwing the ball. Yeah. You're not going to get a lot of sacks when that happens. Um, And then you did see in the, especially in the fourth quarter, when he had to hold on to the ball and they had to run longer routes, he did get pressured. He did get forced out of the pocket and he did get sacked. 
So I think that's pretty excusable based on just the game plan Purdue was running. Um, but, you, you know, I don't think there was – there was certainly not enough inside pressure. I think Chop Robinson was easily the best player on the defensive line. Um, that game, you're, you're probably, you know, PJ Muster is not really your pass rusher kind of guy, but we weren't getting much, you know, much any really QB pressures from the defensive tackles there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I thought as you also saw because of the offense Purdue was running every, every route was one move, you know, basically one move in or out. Yep. And the first half, our DBs played that like they might make a second move. So they stayed on them, but they didn't jump routes. And then in the second half, you saw a totally different attitude from the DBs, right? Joey Porter Jr. went from giving up like 100 yards in the first half to six pass breakups in the second half because he went, okay, they're throwing the ball quick. They're making one move. I'll just get in front of this. Yeah. And so it, it did get, you know, it, it got to a point where you liked it more in the second half. For sure. Even though they gave up slightly more points, I actually liked the style of play better in the second half. Um, there's some, definitely something to improve on. I thought Johnny Dixon didn't look great. No, he didn't. Um, and, you know, the, the, it, was, it was good, not great. But it's yeah, a new defense I think, as, as well. So you got to give a little leeway there. Yeah, and I think the secondary will be, uh, you know, the strength of this defense. I think, we, you know, we talked about it. Joey Porter looked great. Kalen King, uh, all said and done, had a good game. And we saw a lot of rotation, too. We saw, you know, uh, Keaton Ellis started at safety across from Jair Brown. But Jalen Reed played. Uh, Zachy Wheatley played. Uh, you saw Johnny Dixon play at corner. So we saw a ton of rotation. I think these guys are going to be really good. But Aiden O'Connell did throw the ball 58 times uh, yeah. for 356 yards. You know, the one the one guy we just couldn't fucking stop, Charlie Jones, 12 catches for 153 yards. Um, it, it was just a little frustrating for me to constantly see, like, it looked like he was just constantly finding these little pockets of, like, just we weren't able to stop it. But like you said, if, if we're going to allow that and hold them to 24 points, then – Maybe that's okay. Um, that's really all I got for the defense. Anything else? Yeah, I, you know, there were some small it – it was a weird game from the defense because Purdue handed Penn State a few things. Uh, like their clock management in the fourth quarter was terrible. That fumble right before halftime was really bad. Uh, but then Penn State handed, you know, a few things back, a couple dropped interceptions. Uh, that touchdown to the tight end in the end zone was really bad. Just – yeah. It really inexcusable in a shortened field to just not have that guy covered in the back of the end zone. Um, yeah, it's a it's a defense with a lot of youth that is running a new scheme and I don't know about an entirely new scheme, but you know, a slightly new defense and ended up missing a player that they planned on having significant time for. It's a tough situation overall. Good, not great. Yeah, I think uh, I think we'll talk about it more in our next episode of the Ohio preview. But hopefully, hopefully, what I'd like to see is some more pressure up front um, and a little bit better play out of our linebackers, so it doesn't fall all on the shoulders of our secondary. All right, let's wrap this episode up uh, with the conversation you've all been waiting to hear. This is the uh, Sean Clifford: Is he the starter, or should we move on? Um, Again, I tweet a lot of things during the games. I drink a lot during the games, so the tweets are mine and mine alone. Um, but let's get into it. This is my state of the union. These views reflect mine and mine own, none of Pat's. Pat, let me get on my soapbox, and then I will pass it to you. Get on. I have made it very clear that I am ready to move on from Sean Clifford. 
This does not mean I hate Sean, dislike Sean, or even think that he's a bad quarterback. Multiple things can be true at the same time. It can be true that he accounted for five touchdowns, had a great game-winning drive, while also being true that he made the same mistakes and poor throws that we've seen over the last five years. It can be true that he has earned the right to start, while also being true that we have a much higher ceiling by developing Drew now. It can be true that Sean has shown his grit and perseverance by playing through so much adversity, while also being true that his time has come to an end. I'm not calling for Drew Aller because of six plays. Yes, those six plays were fun to watch. He looked great in the pocket, threw an incredible dime to Warren that was dropped. The ball flies out of his hands, but that's not what this is about. You can't crown a kid after six plays. It's about the fact that we've had Sean for six years and he's still showing the same limitations that he's always had. Inconsistent at times, inaccurate at times, skittish in the pocket at times. And yes, I have plenty of examples from this game outside of just the pick six. I will go through all of them later in the episode if we want to. Uh, Starting Drew now allows him to get better every week and puts us in a position to win the most possible games during his time as a Nittany Lion. Shying away from him and forcing Cliff the whole season just delays any growing pains that Drew will have into next year. So what I say is start the kid now, thank Cliff for all he's done, and put this program in the best possible position to succeed long term. I rest my case. To you, sir. So here's the thing. I understand that you're not trying to crown Drew Allen the starter, even though technically you are. And I understand that I, I, don't, I don't think Sean Clifford is about to have his Kenny Pickett year, where he comes out of nowhere and becomes a first-round draft pick. I am not saying that. What I'm saying is he gives this team, most likely gives this team the best chance to win. You've seen, when, when Sean Clifford has any type of support, any kind of competent run game, he can win you 11 games and, go, and win a New Year's Six Bowl. And if, it, if it's not for those four drops, we're talking about a quarterback that completed over 60% of his passes for 300 yards with four touchdowns at, at what would probably be close to a nine-yard average per attempt. I'm not sure what else you want out of a college quarterback. <laughs> um, I, I understand that, yeah, we could develop Drew the best by playing him all this year. Maybe. You could also ruin him by throwing him in too early. And you can't really convince me that you're not going to develop Drew Aller by having him be the backup quarterback who gets a few series here and there and gets second team reps during practice. Sean Clifford gives this team a chance to win if they back him up. Um, he, he had one really atrocious throw that was that really epitomized everything about the problem that everyone has with Sean Clifford. It's a terrible throw and it's everything that's been wrong with him the entire time he's been at Penn State and he hasn't fixed that. I get that. That's fine. But if you're going to have a bad throw and then you're also going to lead us on a game-winning touchdown drive, I'll take that every time. You, know, you, you, you don't find – there's not quarterbacks sprinkled all around college football who pass for 300 yards, four touchdowns, run one in, complete 60% of their passes, all while not having an actually good running game behind them. It doesn't happen a lot. This kid is good enough – we, we, we know for a fact that given the right support, he's good enough for this team to win. 
We don't know that for a fact about any other quarterback on this roster. Fair enough. And I'm trying to win I, this year. <laughs> fair enough. Here, here's the thing. After that game, I don't think we're winning anything special with him at quarterback this year. And again, I'm not hating on him. And when I said I'm not crowning Drew off of six plays, I am crowning him the starter for the record. I want Drew to start. What I'm saying is it's not because of just those six plays. I think what a lot of people say is, oh, he had the one bad throw. He had the one bad throw. I charted 10 bad throws today uh, while rewatching. Oh, he had a lot. (laughs) And I will read through every single one of them if people want to hear that. Um, But it's the same shit that it doesn't show up in the, in the stat report because he had a a bunch of great touchdowns and he had the game winning drive. And we don't see that there were a lot of really bad throws. And it's the same shit that we've seen over the last couple of years of throwing way too early under pressure, under throwing receivers, not leaving receivers, throwing behind receivers, all of these things that we have seen time and time and time again, that I don't think give us the best chance to win. I think by letting Drew play now, you're allowing him to figure shit out so that maybe next year he comes in guns a blazing and we have a chance to go win a big 10 championship. If he's not getting that time playing this year, I think next year is his growing pains year. And then we're waiting a year after that for actually competing. I would rather take realistically, I think I would rather take seven and five with Drew this year than nine and three with Sean and, and not going to a big 10 championship. If it means we are competing for a big 10 championship next year, maybe that's a hot takey. Maybe that's dumb to say, of course, I want to win more games. Of course, I want to go to a better bowl game, but I just think the time is now to make this move because I don't see us doing anything crazy with Sean in the pocket this season. Well, Chris, I I do. I do have a question for you. Sure. I I, I think, I think you're, kind of underestimating how many bad throws most college quarterbacks make during a game. Can, can, can you name a big 10 quarterback who had a better game than Sean Clifford this week? Cause I can tell you two that didn't. And they're Aiden O'Connell and CJ Stroud. Yeah, no, the two I, best you're, quarterbacks you're right. in the conference. I, I didn't watch every game and I didn't chart every game. So no, I haven't, but I, I think what I'm saying is I've watched Sean Clifford and I've watched him for six years and I'm ready to move on. I'm over it. Like, I, 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 I understand, but like, let, let me read you some stat lines from other quarterbacks in the Big Ten this week. Talia Tungavaloa, 24 for 34, 290 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. I think Spencer, Spencer Petras threw for like 10 yards. Uh, CJ Shred had two touchdowns, completed at roughly the same percentage. Let me see his percentage. 24 for 34, not much different than Sean Clifford. 233 yards, less than Sean Clifford. I mean, Aiden O'Connell, the guy who was statistically the best quarterback in the Big Ten last year, had a significantly worse game than Sean Clifford. And he was being, praise was being heaped on him throughout that game by commentators. And I guarantee you, most of the people who hate on Sean Clifford, if you would ask them right after that game, who would you rather have as your quarterback, Sean Clifford or Aiden O'Connell? Most of them would have said Aiden O'Connell, despite the fact that in that game, Sean Clifford was clearly the better quarterback. The only thing, the only stat line he had that wasn't as good as O'Connell was obviously the raw yards because he had 20 fewer passes and he had one interception to O'Connell zero, but O'Connell threw two interceptions that just got dropped. And one of them would have been a pick six most likely. I, yeah, he, he makes some bad throws. So do almost every college quarterback. 
I mean, hell, here, I've been watching my like NFL team have, have a quarterback who makes mostly bad throws for like a decade. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Here's my counterpoint. Yes, every college quarterback makes some bad throws. Yes, there are college quarterbacks in the Big Ten that had worse week ones than Sean Clifford. What other team has a number one five-star quarterback sitting on the bench ready to take over over a six-year quarterback that you have seen every single possibility from and you know what your ceiling is? What other team has that scenario? I mean, no other team, but I'm not, I'm not punting on this so we, I'm not, so we, I'm, not, I, I'm not punting on this year for maybe a better year too from Drew Allen. You, that's you go where, into that's every college different. football season wanting to win as many games as you can. That's what you do. You can't honestly tell me that you'd be happy if we went seven and five this year. If, if Drew shows promise and absolutely wins, what, what's the difference if we don't win a what Big Ten that, championship? What does that say to the rest of your team? What's, what's the your difference if we don't win a Big Ten championship? For the draft. Do you want to do you want to play for a guy who's going to maybe punt on your senior year because there's a better quarterback down the line in the system? What kind of recruit wants to play for that guy? I want to play for a guy that gives the best player an opportunity. Coach Franklin said this week, this week, he said he's not even naming Drew Aller QB2 because every week is a competition. If that's true, if every week is a competition, then Drew should be able to beat Sean any given week and get the start because he is a better quarterback. That you, is the truth. I, I, I don't think there's actual proof that he's a better in-game quarterback right now. We won't know that until you give him a chance. We won't know that until you give him a chance. That and that's possible. where we differ. That's where we differ. I don't want to beat this I, to I death. I think Sean Clifford had a good enough game that he doesn't deserve to get benched. That's fair. I, again, I have 10, 11 different throws that I think were horrible and really bad and put us in a bad position. Um, I won't waste the listeners time right now by reading all of them but basically they were under throwing they were throwing behind they were not leading receivers they were not giving guys chances to catch the ball and i think that over time is what we've seen from sean clifford and yes he's going to make some splashy plays yes he had a a good game i'm not saying he had a bad game i'm saying the bad things that happened in the game reminded me why i get frustrated with him every year and i'm ready to move on that's all that's fair. I also, I didn't think that in every point during this game, he was set up for success. I think most of the first half, you started possessions, two, one run, one run, okay, third and long, third and medium, obvious passing situation, going to make it difficult for the quarterback. That's, sure, that's but, not, but that's not a way to optimize your quarterback play. No, but these are wide open shit I'm talking about. These are, these are things that you just don't. Have, all right. I'm going to read some of them now because I have to second quarter. I'm not going to read all of them. But second quarter. He steps up into the pocket because there's a little bit of pressure and he throws extremely wide of Mitchell Tinsley directly at Purdue safety Cam Allen. Tinsley dives and gets his hands on it, saving an interception. That should have been a pick. That was a terrible throw. 30 seconds left in the half takes a deep shot to Mitchell Tinsley over the middle of the field. He is one on one with no one else there and completely throws behind him to the point that Tinsley has to stop running to make an attempt at the ball. And we get bailed out by defensive pass interference. 22 seconds left in the half. Clifford dances in the pocket, ends up falling back and throwing off his back foot like a fadeaway, completely underthrows Mitchell Tinsley, where if the Purdue defender stays on his feet, probably another pick. Like these are, these are plays that just, it doesn't give you the chance that you need. Fourth quarter, first and 10, an absolute clean pocket. Zero pressure. Takes a deep shot to Parker Washington when he's covered by two defenders within five yards of him and overthrows him 10 yards into the end zone. 
that doesn't help. Fourth quarter, pick six, absolutely inexcusable. <laughs> Come on, man. Like these, there, there are so many plays that it's just, I mean, right after, right after he comes back from injury, after the Allers, uh, after the Aller series, when he comes back, it's a play action rollout. He's all by himself, zero pressure, barely on the run, completely overthrows Tyler Warren, way over his head. Like these are plays that a 60 year quarterback should make. If you're telling me he is the quarterback because he has the most experience, he gives us the best chance to win, and it's his sixth year, he should make these plays. Yeah, I mean, I I, I have no leg to stand on when it comes to yeah, is Sean Clifford gonna make every play? I don't I I don't believe that he will. And no quarterback I, I will. Argue. No quarterback will. I get that. Drew Aller is gonna Drew Aller did miss some things. He threw behind on his last play. He threw behind, I, I don't remember what receiver was, but he missed them. I'm not saying Drew Aller is perfect. And again, I'm not saying he should start because of his six plays and he looked so good. That's not my reasoning. My reasoning is I've seen enough of Cliff. I know what I'm getting and I'm ready to move on to the next era. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's fair to say that Drew Aller is better than I thought he was going to be coming into this season. He's way further along, obviously, than I thought he was going to be. But I, I still I have a hard time believing that Sean Clifford doesn't give you the best chance to win this year. I hear you. I hear you. We're going to, we're going to disagree on what's better for the program. Cause I don't disagree with you. Maybe he does give us the best chance to win. Maybe he gives us two more games. Maybe he gives us a couple more wins. I don't think it gives us any sort of conversation into the big 10 championship or a playoff. So I, it doesn't do a whole lot for me, but let's end it there. I think we have a lot more to talk about as the weeks go on. And, and let me say one more thing. Cliff will be the starter against Ohio. I hope he dominates. I hope he crushes. Oh, yeah. I hope we, he's we, amazing. Yeah, I know you're rooting for him. I'm never rooting against our guy. I just want that to be crystal, crystal clear. So let's wrap up there. Your Penn State Indy Lions are one and oh. Shout out to our Lions of the Week. Shout out to our guys who got awards. Shout out to Pat for being able to have a good, honest back and forth. I appreciate you for that. Uh, we are going to go right into our, uh, our next episode. So you'll probably see both of them drop tomorrow. Listen to both of them. Give us some reviews. Tell us what you think. We love you guys. We are.